Konnichiwa, my friends. Your ears are being caressed by FixItNow.com Appliance Repair Radio. We're your hosts, Samurai Appliance Repair Man. And Mrs. Samurai. Thank you for joining us for another safari into home appliance skullduggery. I've been thumbing through the old thesaurus again, have you? You know, I pull out that and a few other things every now and then. <laughs> but first, you know, I was thinking this is our fifth episode, and I've, I'm not hesitant about making recommendations or admonitions about brands or models. And some people might start wondering, is he on the take? Mm. Wonder who's paying his bill. Well, let me tell you, no one. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, we take no money from anyone. No one sponsors this show. That's uh, not to say we wouldn't. That's right. I mean, I'm open to that. And it is about getting out information. And I like to be appreciated for what I do. But I don't mind being profitably appreciated either. That's true. But up to this point, at this time... Up to this point in time, all my recommendations are my sole opinion gleaned from my vast and awesome experience wallowing in the seedy underbelly of the appliance repair world. In this episode, we want to commemorate our fifth episode of FixItNow.com Appliance Repair Radio by making this a special all-listener email edition. And the crowd goes crazy. And they should. It's exciting. Well, they should. It's a milestone for us. Number five. I never thought we'd get this far. We're out of control. So, but first, I need to tell you about a website that it's it's really changed my life. It it touched my heart, and well, I laughed, I cried. It became a part of me. Tell us all about it. Here we go. Fixitnow.com. Samurai appliance repairman. Very very good. Appliance broke? Fix it yourself. Save big bucks. Fixitnow.com. Appliance repairman. Help thousands of people fix their own appliance. He can help you too. Uh, Fixitnow.com. Welcome back, my friends. And this is Fixitnow.com Appliance Repair Radio. And now for the main section of our show, what you've all tuned in for, listener emails. Although, may I interject? I think we ought to tell them about our website <gasps> that supports this. That's right. The website you mean they just the website they just heard about in the in the ad you I'm mean? I'm talking about podcast.fixitnow.com. Ah, that's right. That's of course. That's the website that actually promotes and offers all of the all of our episodes. You can go to podcast.fixitnow.com and all of our episodes are there and you can download any ones you want. Of course, the easiest way to get it is just to subscribe to it through right. iTunes. But sometimes if we mention model numbers or part numbers or things that are cumbersome for audio, we'll We'll post them there, right? That, that's excellent, yes. And that's precisely right, because sometimes you get into talking about details that are just, it becomes so much gobbledygook when you just try to explain it all with words. And what I'll do is, in the description for each show, if you, if you go to podcast.fixitnow.com, you'll see in the little blurb description for each show, there's also links embedded in there that will take you to a page or picture or something that's got more elucidating information for right. your perusal. All right, but can we jump into the email now? Let's do some jumping. I like this part. I like doing the email because I get to read it. Yes, it's, you're on the spotlight. I know. Pressure's on. All right, so the first email comes from Susan, and she has a... a Ken another Susan. I know. Not you. No, no. She has a Kenmore washer. Its model number starts with 110, so what does that tell us? 110, let me put it through my magical Kenmore model number decoder, and it comes back... Beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, beep, beep. 110 is Whirlpool! All right. So, in other words, Whirlpool made Kenmore washer. 
fills with this particular one, yes. Yes. Fills with water. The timer runs fine. The water pumps out fine. The coupler's in good shape. The door switch is fine. The problem is it does not agitate or spin. It's about six years old. She's replaced the coupler twice in that time. Um, do I look at the agitator or something else? She also says, how can I be sure that the, mo that the motor runs okay? It runs out of washer. I assume she means outside the washer. Well, I'm thinking. I'm I'm assuming there, and I read that, and I, I'm assuming she means that water runs out of the washer. It pumps out. That's, ah, that's how I okay. read that to mean. If it is the agitator, is there a way to be sure? Thanks. Well, that's a good question, and the first thing I'd like to point out here, Susan, is um, that you, you've, the thing that really jumps out at me is you replace the coupler twice in um, six years. In six years, that's not a lot. It's also, it's about the, the average, maybe slightly above average failure rate for that part. It's, this washer, as you know, since you've changed the coupler, doesn't have a belt. It has a drive coupler, which does the same function as a belt. That is to transmit mechanical energy from the motor to the transmission. That's all it does. And so it's a common wear item, just like a belt would be. And the fact that the coupler has gone out twice means um, maybe you're loading it a lot, because that's a common cause for coupler couplers to break, fracture, or wear. Um, people will wash bedspreads, comforters, just heavy mm. garments like that. Put a lot of extra stress on the drive components. And the coupler is the one you want to break rather than a clutch or something else. You'd, you, if there's something that's going to break and give, it's got to be the coupler or the belt, but in your case, a coupler. So, um, and the other thing I just want to admonish you about is to make sure that when you say you've checked the coupler, that you've done that with the motor off because these couplers... Very very common for them, one of the retaining brackets in the couplers to crack, and it's not visible unless you remove the motor and actually pull the pieces of the coupler off and get some eyeballs on them. Hmm. So that's the first thing. And then uh, the other thing is if you're not familiar with the innards of these washers, then properly diagnosing transmissions, transmission problems in them and distinguishing them from other drivetrain or even control problems can be a real trick for the uninitiated. For example, your wa if your washer doesn't spin or agitate, but you hear or maybe even see the motor running, then uh, you may be dealing with a transmission problem. And by the way, one sure sign that the motor's running, um, you mentioned that the water, and I'm assuming that you meant the water pumped out of the washer, that means that the motor's running because the pump is direct coupled to this washer. So if, you, if this washer's pumping out, the motor is running. Um, you can also pull the cabinet off of the um, washer and actually observe the motor turning and actually see it using mirrors and flashlights and things. Um, so here's a, um, here's a simple way of determining whether the problem is your, in your washer's transmission or in some other part like the clutch or the drive coupler that we talked about. First thing is remove the cabinet, and I'll have a link on how to do that at the uh, description for this episode at the website podcast.fixitnow.com. Remove the cabinet, jump with the lid switch, and put the washer in spin. Now, looking underneath with the cabinet removed, you'll see a, a shiny metal clutch disc on top of the transmission where the shaft comes out. Um, and you're looking for this to see if it's spinning. If the machine starts and runs and spin, then check to see if that disc is spinning. If it is, then the problem is in the basket drive or in the tub drive block. And I'll have links to each of these parts so you'll know... Um, what exactly they're referring to, and I'll have links. There will also be links on uh, how to implement the replacement of these parts should you choose to undertake that mission. 
If, on the other hand, that clutch disc is not spinning, then check for a problem with the motor coupler that we talked about before. And, again, just to um, really caution you that um, many, many couplers have been pronounced good when, in fact, they were bad because the neophyte did not actually remove the motor to get fingers and eyeballs on all three pieces of the coupler. All right. So if all those look good, coupler, clutch, clutch is spinning when it should be and all that, and all that looks good and it's looking right, then and only then can you conclude that you need a new transmission. All right. So um, that's probably a little, I don't know if that was too detailed for for a radio, but... Uh, no, I think that was good. And again, okay. it's, if they missed part of that or didn't catch it, it's all at podcast.fixitnow.com. Plenty of links there. And just uh, click in for the fifth episode. That's, that's where you'll find the write-ups and the links associated with what we're talking about here. Right. Well, thank you, Susan. And uh, as a side note, we get an awful lot of women working on their own appliances out there and i think that's really exciting that uh it is well you yeah. know some of my some of the biggest fans of the website are um women particularly single moms right get uh, tons of enthusiastic email from because they've they've taken on something they didn't think they were going to take on they found the information that you know it's, it's a lot of times people are just especially women i think are afraid of calling in either an appliance repair guy or an electrician or a plumber to come to their house you don't know if they're going to get ripped off you know, there's that whole unknown thing. Right. It, it's it's nervous. There's a strange guy who sometimes smelly and hairy guy with cleavage yeah. showing, who's coming into your home, and you just don't know how that uh, interaction's going to go. Right. So there's a lot of mo- incentive. I think women have a lot more incentive to try to actually fix it themselves, and um, they're some of the some of the biggest fans and users of the website. Right. We give them empowerment. That's all the rage these days, right? Power to the pipples. Well, we have a second email from another woman, Pamela. This is a follow-up to, oh, we've done so many episodes, they all run together. The third one, I think. I think it was the third one, yeah. Um, She's an American who lives in Paris, and she had gotten a new Liebherr, German-BMW type, she calls it, refrigerator, meaning I guess it's pretty highfalutin, Mm -hmm. as we would say. Mm -hmm. Um, And... It wasn't, the last we heard from her, it wasn't operating very well. It didn't come to, you know, she got it, she let it sit, she plugged it in, wasn't cooling. Well. It was brand new. Right, brand new. Now it has broken down twice in a month. And she awaits, she says, I await the non-samurai repair guy tomorrow after another week of living with my groceries outside on the window ledges, keeping semi-cold. In France, there's no word for lemon, as in, look people, you sold me a lemon, they won't exchange it until it's deemed unrepairable by their own repair guy. Grr. Wow. So, a little update to our friend Pamela wow, over in Gay Paris. Just typical. I mean, you got an American in Paris and with a with a German appliance. I mean, I don't know. And then getting bad service. I mean, sort of... Uh, underscores all of the stereotypes we hear. I know. About, Although, as uh, much as it'd be fun to, to engage in a little France bashing right now, we've heard awful lot of stories from the good old USA oh, yes, along have, these lines. So they're, they're, it's, it's endemic everywhere. Yeah. That's a fact. Yeah. There's bad services everywhere, and unfortunately, there's no information on Liebherr at my website, or otherwise uh, Pamela could have been one of the empowered Right, because they are all over the world. 
not just in the United States, the people who are using our site. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I look at my server logs, and they're from pe they're from all over. They're from about every country in the world. Yeah, it's amazing. All right, let's move on. We have Troy has written us. He says, Master, I noticed in your FAQ for grasshoppers that you mention a Kenmore dryer that runs as the start button is pressed but then stops. Um, in that instance, would require a new even heat board. Two questions. Can I temporarily just hold the start button down to use the dryer without damage? Second, how difficult to replace for the moderately handy grasshopper? Hmm. Well, the, these are... Um... These are good questions. Um, as far as holding the button down, I mean, aside from the pure inconvenience of it, I mean, that just seems you would have to hold it down and, and sit there with it held down for like an hour to dry your clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, unless you rigged up something to keep the button pressed. But here's the problem with that. When you're holding the button down, what you're doing is you're energizing. The, the, your motor has a start winding and a run winding. When you hold the button down, you're keeping that start winding energized. That start winding is designed to only be used momentarily to get the motor started, and then it's got a centrifugal switch in the motor that cuts it out of the circuit. When you hold that start button down, you're keeping that start winding energized, and you will burn it out. So you will be, you will go. Your problem will escalate from what is simply a control problem here to also include a, a burned out motor as well. So, so don't do that. I would say that that all means yeah, no. That's it. That's <laughs> that practice is not recommended. Um, the, the actual problem with this will be either the even heat board or the motor relay. If you open the control panel to your washer, or dryer, sorry, we're talking about a dryer here. Dryer. Open the control panel. Inside there, you're going to see a couple things. You're going to see the even heat board. It's about the only, uh, it's the only significant electronic control board in there, very obvious. You're going to have a technician sheet. It's going to be folded up on the left-hand side. Pull that out, open it up, unfold it. Be sure when you're done with it to put it back into the control panel because you will need it again. Yep, don't lose those. Yeah, many uh, many uh, uh, technicians, quote, borrow them from uh, customer sites, and so other technicians or even himself comes back to the uh, appliance later on for another repair, and oop, no tech oh. sheet. But we need that because it's got the wiring diagram. And uh, you need the schematic. It's also got a diagnostic procedure in there. But you won't have to go through all of that, because. but you will need the tech sheet for the schematic because your problem is going to be either the even heat board or the motor relay. You've got two relays in there, one's for the motor, one's for the heater. Um, they are identical, and the way you can, so it's easy to do in this case because you've got an identical heater, assuming this is an electric dryer, he doesn't say. If this is a gas dryer, he would not have a heater relay. Hmm. If it's an electric dryer, you've got, an, you've got a, um, a heater relay that's identical to the motor relay, you can simply measure the resistance of the coil on the relay. Now, how do you know where the coil is? That's where you need the schematic. The schematic will show you which terminals the coil is going to be drawn as like a little squiggly thing, and it's going to show you which terminals on that relay are the coils. That's why you need the schematic, because without the, the schematic's just a road map. Don't look at it and, you know, eyes start crossing, but it's just, it's just a big road map that shows you where things flow. Measure the resistance. It should be something about 1,000 ohms. And if you need help uh, using a meter, there's a good link for it at, at uh, our main website, fixitnow.com. Go into the FAQ section, general appliance help. Uh, making basic electrical measurements is help on using your meter to measure um, resistance, voltage, current. So you're going to uh, measure the resistance of the relay on both the 
uh, motor relay and the heater relay. If um, you see where the heater relay measures about a thousand ohms and the motor relay measures off the scale or something really, really, really much bigger than that, then you know it's a bad relay. If they both measure similarly, they both the uh, resistances are similar between the two relays. You have eliminated uh, one of the two components. Therefore, by deduction, it leaves the problem as the even heat board. Big difference in price between the two, so you want to be right about this one. That's the right. Even heat board runs, oh, I don't know, about a hundred bucks, hundred and thirty bucks. The relay runs about twenty bucks. Oh yeah, big difference. So yeah, um, just uh, again, that's the important. That uh, goes along with um, Samurai's Ichiban law of appliance repair: never replace a part unless you have proof that the part is bad. That's a good. Rule to live by. And uh, Samurai's 12 other laws of appliance repair are available at fixitnow.com. And all, you should, you should print them out, post them in every room of your house. Place them under your pillow, and uh, they're great bedtime reading. You know, ah. They're short, but uh, what I, I use them as uh, zen cones, you know, instead of what is the sound of one hand clapping. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to you know, never replace a part unless you have proof the part is bad. All leaks are visual. Nothing kills biogucus like chlorine. You know, I think we could do a whole episode on your 12 laws. That's a great idea. We could, because it's basic troubleshooting skills. But we're not doing that today. We're doing emails and just a couple of quick notes. One is, you could be having your very own email read on a future episode. If you send an email to us at podcast at fixitnow.com. Simple as that. and We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. And one thing you might have noticed from listening to these is it's helpful for us if you give us your model number. Make sure you tell us things like electric or gas dryer, as well as a pretty detailed description of your symptoms. All right. The next email is just a fun little thing to throw in here. It's one of our fan mails, which we just love getting. And this is from... You can't get enough fan mail. Oh, it's just... You know, makes it all worthwhile. It uh, touches me in a way that's really not appropriate to talk about on a public podcast. Yes, we do intend this to be family-oriented. Yeah, more or less. Anyway, this is from Barb, another woman. She has a little story. It starts like this. I was lost, didn't know what to do. Hubby said, just go buy a new one, as he continued to watch the college basketball tourneys. So I did... $460.05 for a new washer, came home depressed, feeling like a loser, found your website, happy, I can do this, canceled the washer delivery, ordered the part for $26.65, it was a lid switched, switch, excuse me, fixed it myself, $433.40 saved. That's what it's all about, that's what our site's all about. If I could afford it, I'd donate my entire savings to the beer fund, as I am an avid fan of beer myself, but I can't. But I do love you guys. Thank you so much. Got to go do some laundry. Uh, Wasn't that fun? That was cool. And, uh, you know, emails like that, I mean, that's that's great. And in lieu of a donation to a love offering to the United Samurai Beer Fund, mm-hmm. uh, just send us an email like that. Right. I mean, the $433 would have been nice, but... yeah. But I'm assuming she ordered the part conveniently through our website. so Securely and for convenient delivery right. to your home. And that does support the, all the free information that you get at the site when Absolutely. you order parts there. Not only that, uh, one other thing I should mention about parts, that when you order them through our website, um, you'll come to our website, use our parts links, and it'll click you on through to our parts partner, which is Repair Clinic. But go through our parts link, because it doesn't cost you any more. But we get a, um, a, a percentage, a, a small, very small percentage, but it all adds up if enough people do it. 
of, of the sale. But it, it's the same price to you either way. All you're doing is, if you go through our links, first go to fixitnow.com and then just click through any of our parts links. They're all right up top there. Um, and then then we're, we'll get credit for the sale, and you help, you're helping to support the website that way. And one other thing I wanted to mention, too, about parts. When you order them from our part, parts partner is you can return any part for any reason. And that is highly unusual, right? I've never heard of it anywhere because yeah. I, I don't know how many times I can tell you in the forum somebody's uh, posted a question where they, they thought it was an electronic control board that was bad. These are the worst um, things. People are uh, – a lot of local shops, you know, mom-and-pop shops um, won't take electronic boards back. My own supplier for, for my trade business won't take electronic por- uh, parts back if they've already been installed. Repair Clinic will. So uh, come to fixitnow.com and go through our parts link, order the parts there, secure that um, if you happen to be wrong in diagnosing an electronic control board as a problem, order it in confidence knowing that if you are wrong, you can return right. it. Any part, not just Any electronic part. No, That's right, exactly. <laughs> Good to clarify that. All right, let's go on. Roxy. <laughs> Boy, we do get the women. I tell you. I think because they've all seen your picture at the website. With my head smashed open against my van. Well. Ouch. That's strangely captivating and compelling. (laughs) Alrighty, this is a dishwasher. My dishwasher is discoloring metal. For example, the colander, I assume she means the, like, strainy thing. Yeah, must be. Uh, is dark gray rather than silver, and metal pieces also end up with a white granular substance on them. The dealer told me to use different detergent. I've tried many, as well as a rinse, and nothing has helped. Any thoughts? Many thanks, Roxy. Uh, Well, this is is good because it reveals uh, there's a lot of common uh, dishwasher mythology out there. I think of all of the appliances that I work on, I think dishwashers have the one with the most mystique around them. And there's a lot of a lot of mysteries, you know, um, misunderstandings about how to use them. Uh, for example, one of the things, one of the common ones is that, uh, I'll always see this, and people will rinse their dishes before they put them in the dishwasher. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, in fact, when I've told people this before, they have a really hard time not rinsing their dishes before they put them in the dishwasher. Right. The problem is, uh, were you going to... Is that a leftover from maybe older... Dishwashers that didn't weren't able to handle little chunks of stuff. I think even the older ones yeah. could handle it. Yeah, they've they've always. In fact, the older ones probably could handle it more because I think most of us grew up watching our mothers rinse the dishes. And it, so they were we wrong. They the were dishes. they were just as wrong then, if not more so, than they are now. Because the older dishwashers actually had bigger motors in them, were not as susceptible to if you get a little piece of broken glass or something in there, it would, get, it would jam up the impeller and burn mm-hmm. out the motor, which you see on some models of dishwashers out there today, burned out motors left and right. But the problem with rinsing your dishes before you put them in the dishwasher is not so much, um, um, well, it's, it, it's simply that you're eliminating the buffering capacity that, of the slurry that develops in the dishwasher. The detergent that you use is naturally caustic, um, or it's designed to be caustic. It depends on the presence of food soils to buffer itself and to uh, lower its pH to a more neutral level. And that caustic, when you're rinsing them and you've got this caustic slurry because it's unbuffered, it's just detergent and water, uh, basically, with no and food soils. And relatively clean dishes, And actually. clean dishes circulating around your dishwasher. And it's hot water, too. So you've got this hot, caustic solution circulating around your dishwasher. 
doing things like dulling the finish on your colander, discoloring metals. That's one real common way, of, and it also clouds your dishes. The other thing, the other, uh, your glasses. I'm sorry. That's like that that etching, or if the you etching. get cloudy, you know, cl- glasses that were clear and become cloudy over right. time. This could be the culprit. So, in other words, scrape the food chunks off. Right, with a fork. And leave the, the anything that sticks to it that's not very large. Leave the leave sauces and drippings. Leave them all on there. It actually is good for your dish, your dishes and silverware to do it that way. Okay. Um, what else? Well, the other thing is, um, if your uh, utensils are showing signs of pitting, then the problem is this is most commonly is a type of electrolysis reaction when you get two different metals such as silver and stainless steel that contact each other in the hot, wet dishwasher environment then you can get this electrolysis reaction that's set up and occurring. Um, it's not caused by corrosive water. This is the myth. People think that if you are getting um, pitting in your metal utensils, it means you have corrosive water. No, it's uh, corrosive water doesn't affect the metals that way. What it is, though, is electrolysis. And to prevent the problem, simply load the silver and stainless steel uh, utensils in the silverware basket so that they don't touch each other. Mm-hmm. More than likely, increasingly fewer and fewer people actually have silver to wash. So yeah. I don't know of many people who wash their right. actual silver in the uh, dishwasher. Right. Most but people do it by hand. Fun fact to know and tell. Fun fact to know and tell. Um, and finally, one final thing. This doesn't really directly relate to the email, but um, one common myth out there about dishwashers is that if it's not washing dishes very well, it means the pump is bad. In fact, this is rarely the case. Um, yes, pumps can go bad on dishwashers, but the most common <clears throat> causes for poor cleaning in dishwashers are, um, let me just list a few of them here. One is using old detergent that doesn't dissolve all the way. Your water temperature is too low to dissolve the detergent or to remove the uh, food soils on the dishes. There's debris caught in the spray hole arms. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it's impairing the proper spray action of the spray arm. Uh, insufficient water in the fill basin. This is probably the most common one where the, if the uh, water level in the basin doesn't fill up enough, which is in most dishwashers just below the heating element, the pump will never develop proper pressure to spray mm. through the um, spray arms. And so consequently, you're not going to get the correct washing action. So <clears throat> that's, um, <clears throat> that's a, it in a nutshell. Right. The these are all pretty easy things to check, too, when you're having these kinds of problems. Yep. And you can read more about that. Read all these Tips plus others at yep. our website. That's right, fixitnow.com. Tons of information in the dishwasher section. All right, we're down to our last one already. Whew. This one's from Chad. It says, I have a Maytag MAH5500 washer machine with a small crack which leaks in the tub seal. Is it okay for me to seal this with something like silicone or should I go ahead and replace the tub seal completely? The crack in the seal is less than half an inch long, if that makes a difference. If I do seal it, what should I use? I have to thank you for the website. If it weren't for all the information, I would have been afraid to take my washer apart to find the problem. Ah, there we go. Thanks, Chad. Appreciate that. Empowering yet another person. Um, Given that this is less than half an inch, and he's referring to the boot, it's it's actually called a a boot, the door boot. When you open the door and there's this uh, gray rubber boot that runs over the inside. So is this a front-loading washer? Yes. Okay, he doesn't say, but you, obviously. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, I should have said that. your keen observation of the the, model um, number. Yeah, this is the Maytag. The MAH5500 is a Maytag Neptune front-loading washer. Ah. So, Ah, yes, good to clarify that. Yes, and so he's referring to the boot in the door. You open the door, there's this um, folded Mm -hmm. gray rubber boot. With only a half-inch split, I, and if it were mine, I would first try to epoxy it. I would take 
something, a piece of rubber, and uh, get two pieces of rubber, put epoxy over the split, have two pieces of rubber on either side that uh, um, sort of like you know sandwich the mm -hmm. um, split gasket. That's how I would do it. That would be my approach. I would try that first using and the epoxy on on the split would hold the rubber to it just like a tire patch, and um, you got nothing to lose because if it doesn't work, you then know, you can go then ahead and replace replace it. the boot. Sure. Um, and it's not that hard to do. I've got uh, instructions and procedures at the website, and it's not that bad. I've got um, there's a whole uh, instruction set on how to do it. It's um, if, but it's worth trying to fix it first. I would try. All right. Where could he get the? I mean, is this just a common epoxy that you mentioned? Uh, good question. If you go to um, uh, any hardware store and there's any epoxy that's, and you just read the box that's made to work with plastic or rubber. Um, if you go, there's this one glue or perfect glue, uh, that, that's out there now. It comes in a convenient, uh, syringe looking thing with two, the two part epoxy in there. And when you press down on the plunger, the both, both of them come out their respective cylinders and mix together at the exit. And then you mix it up in the, in the exact amount that you need. Um, oh, that's but handy. it is handy. And this perfect glue comes in several different types. One makes for metal, the other one for ceramic type things, and then a different type for uh, plastics and rubbers. And it's uh, and it says on them, you know, perfect glue one, perfect glue two, perfect glue three. Read the label, what it applies to. And uh, if, as long as you get one that's made to work with that material, you got the best chance of affecting that repair. All right. And all right. for all of you whose emails we answer we'd love to hear back and hear how things went absolutely let us know you got any and if you have any other questions on uh, your own appliance issue that you're dealing with any of you out there please email them to us at uh, podcast at fixitnow.com we'd love to hear from you mm -hmm. so i think that wraps up another episode of fixitnow.com appliance repair radio all right I want to thank you again for downloading and listening uh to our podcast, this fifth episode here. Again, uh, go see the notes for this episode at our website, podcast.fixitnow.com. And be sure to tell all your friends about us. Excellent point. Spread the word. Spread the love. Share the love, That's yo. That's right. All right. So until next time, this is Samurai Appliance Repair Man. And Mrs. Samurai. Saying sayonara. sayonara.